Sean, would you take that one and throw it away? Which one? This one? Yeah. I think Venus saves no longer saves? Oh, I be strange. You no longer pee freely. What happened? Now we pee strange. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, mm-hmm. what? Oh, right. Actually, I'll keep that to myself. <clears throat> so, uh, my name is Paul Stafford, and this is the first session of our Arkov adventure, A Marriage of Serpents. Arkov is a dark age Celtic fantasy world that is um, whose content where the story takes place is called Maur, which means, which is a corruption of the word for big in the local language. And um, there's just been a time of great trouble um, where the way the world is has been fundamentally upset. <clears throat> there's been a war killing um, one in ten, and among those number most prominently um, are the gods of man, who either have been seen dying in the battle <clears throat> or limping off to lick their wounds unable to escape in the way the gods have always been able to escape any problem that vexes them by vanishing and leaving their body behind. In this trouble, the spirits of the land and sea, the dragon and the serpent, were also greatly troubled. And the dragon, who is the spirit of the land, who's fought for, um, who's fought now and begged for the help of humans for generations, uh, finally perished of whatever illness sickened the dragon. And in the next year, no new green happened. Spring failed entirely. Uh, No crops grew in the fields. No new grass grew among the plains. The, um, the fish deserted the shoals of Maur. Anything that could get away did. And then terrible storms brought by the serpent racked the island as though intent on washing it clean. Many more died that winter and the terrible summer that followed. But finally, the spring came again and crops, seeds germinated, crops grew. Life had found a way back into the earth of Maur, and civilization, uh, and after a period of barbarity and terror, civilization began to take hold from the places uh, in which it lay, uh, in the great towns and conclaves of humanity. This story begins in the capital of the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is Tuhal, and the capital is Kirkival, and is um, built around an old granite uprising in the great plains of Tuhal. The city is built around it, such as it is, um, 
like a rough knotwork drawn by a child. The idea of shape and circle and line and form is there, but time and people have had their way with it, and it is deeply imperfect. The kingdoms of Maurer are in what we would call uh, a Bronze Age, although once they knew the secrets of working greater metals and where once they knew the secrets of great sorcery, these things faded long ago. And now they can work bronze and the softer metals and are quite cunning at it. And, um, <clears throat> and civilization has, for a very long time, failed to thrive, much as ten years ago the crops failed to thrive. But there is something in the air, something new. So much has been lost. There are so many children under the age of 10 now that they are like a throng in the streets and they outnumber the old and even at times the adult. The Kingdom of Tuhal is a place of cooperation and guild work, as none of the other kingdoms are. The great houses of Tuhal long ago learned to trust one another, and each of them turned toward what it did best and became better than anyone else. And they trusted one another to do this very thing. And the capital city insofar as it can, with its mud streets and its wattle and daub buildings can be called a city, is an example of that. There are districts where there are specialists in every human craft, and some of them are truly remarkable. Some of them perhaps are even heroic and have yet to be noticed. Our story begins in Kerkuval, and we have three uh, excellent players starting the story. This is our sort of session one. We've had two preparatory sessions. And so I'd like to go around and have everyone introduce themselves briefly and uh, introduce us to their characters that we're going to um, be spending some time with. So whoever would like to start introducing yourself and a little blurb about your character. Because there's no pressure when we're being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I said the first thing, so I guess that kind of signs me up for it. Yes. So my character is actually sort of a dual character that are both um, dependent on one another and get played as a single entity. Um, and so they are of um, the race of the Surin which is a lizard-like people that start off young and energetic with genetic memory. And so they start um, anxious and ready to go, bursting with um, potential. And as they age, they get slower until eventually they um, get large and ponderous, and then eventually they stop moving, much like the the Celtic um, idea of trolls (laughs) that would turn to stone um, as an inspiration. Um, And you have... Um, Cecile, a young um, one of 10 years of age that acts much younger than his age, and then an older one that 
by all accounts, should have probably stopped moving and returned to the Earth itself, um, known as Sisyphus. Um, and they had been tasked by their people um, to go out into the world and find a new homeland as doom is befalling um, them in their swamp um, area where they've been living a, a culture of relative peace and a simple prosperity um, untouched by a lot of the um, concerns of the larger world around them. Um, they are... The soul of the people is um, damaged as their god, um, the god of this land known as the dragon, was killed ten years ago on the day that um, Cecile was born. Great. Thank you. And your name, player? Oh, this is Matthew Melville. Signing off. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> My name's Dale. <clears throat> I've played with Paul for many years. We know each other's secrets. And I have photos. Um, <laughs> the character I'm playing is called Claiborne. And appears to be a homeless beggar or derelict of some kind. Um brown and gray clothing moves slowly and shabbily and speaks in a thick gloppy voice seems to be aware that the voice is difficult to understand and so makes an attempt to make it as clear as possible but it's as if they're speaking through a mouthful of mud This person is in a back alley of a city, sitting on a white stone cube, unnoticed by everyone except, it seems, the street children, who are playing a strange game where they run up to Claiborne. Stare at the face and Claiborne responds to them I can see your face and the children giggle and laugh and run away and of course some of them are holding some shield in front of their face or their hands or somebody else's coat or purse but he always says to them I can see your face nice uh, oh did you give your name? yes oh sorry I'm John Schiavone uh, uh, I've yes I finally know how to pronounce that <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, you would not be the first person. Uh, yeah, so I'm playing Kian Gallagher. Um, I am a Dree wizard, um, but in... Do you, should we check that out? No? Okay. 
Um, the the land of Two Hall is a land that is very distrusting of magic, and uh, my character is actually from the sister nation of Kahal, um, and he was sent here on a diplomatic envoy, which, as many diplomatic missions sometimes have a tendency to be, was also also an act of uh, espionage. Um, unfortunately, when he was found out, uh, it turned out that the details of his kind of entanglement were embarrassing to both the people who sent him and the people who received him, which put him in an awkward place. And uh, as a result, they couldn't kill him, but they bonded him. Um, and so now he serves the House of Fane in Tahal. Um, he didn't they also brand him? I think so. That's mm-hmm. they do that, right? What's, yeah. What does the brand look like? Uh, it's often a, a sigil of the house, mm. um, and so um, House Fane is a rough. It's a it's a circle with a a, a like a seabird of some kind rising through it. Oh, okay, like a seagull. But a sort of Celtic, naughty version of that. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, so the, the, the mage hunters are a sort of secret police that are... Well, not secret, right? But no, they, no, not secret. At all. But they are broadly empowered to seek out uh, unlicensed wizards and hunt them down. And so the fact that he's bonded, which basically means he's indentured is uh, a bit of temporary sanctuary for him. But as his sort of parole officers uh, comment to remind him, uh, someday he might slip up, and she'll be there to fix that. Um, In the meantime, he wants to go home. And he's been keeping that goal quietly to himself for many years since the war and since the envoy was sent less than 10 years ago. Tonight's adventure is called The Middle World and is represented by a tree and my total inability to work a paperclip. So, Dale, you've already shared with us a, a, a sort of um, surround, a sort of vision uh, of Claiborne in his natural environment. Um, so I want to invite uh, Matt and John to give us a little sort of slice of life or an important, um, an important event or a turning event or just a scene that tells us something about, that shows us something about... Um, the essential nature of your characters. Sure. Seems only fair. Um, yeah, I think a typical scene would would be of him seated quietly, alone, in the open... would you call it? Um, the place that we discussed outside. Pavilion? Or... Uh, 
Like an, what would what would be an open air kind of structure, but like not really enclosed. <laughs> um, it would probably be colloquially colloquially be called a fall down. A fall down. Fair enough. Uh, and in fact, in this area, it might be called the fall down. Ah, yes. Um, uh, Kian is often actually during his moments of free time um, here in quiet contemplation the ruins of a long broken forgotten structure um, the, the, the stone cracked and worn by the passage of time is strangely reminiscent of the rocky crags of Cahal and he feels a certain peace in the silence and presence of them around him. And uh, it is not uncommon, in fact, several days every week, a young boy will come alone carrying a satchel with um, various writing implements, which is very rare for this time. Um, And he will instruct the child, this ward of House Fane, as he has over time gained the trust of um, what is the name of the noble? Uh, Mananan Ophain. He's gained the trust of Mananan Ophain and uh, is now a personal tutor to the young boy, to the young ward. And their lessons last about an hour and go into detail of lore and history and other things that probably a son of a noble house should know. But at the end of every session, the boy kind of tries to tease Kian into bringing out the secret that they share that very few other people have noticed. And he asks him to pull out the deck. And most times, Kian says no. But maybe this time, he brings it out and does a reading. What does Kian look like? Kian is, uh, he's a handsome man, but there's a certain sunkenness to his features, a certain hollowness in his eyes and his cheeks um, that doesn't come from malnourishment. It comes from something more within. Um, but he, he does have a certain intensity in his eyes and, and a certain fire that, that brings people closer to him. Um, I, I've chosen the picture based on uh, the actor Killian Murphy, um, but that's kind of the way I, I, I've envisioned him. And he's what will be the clothing that you would wear during this period? Um, you know, kilt, tunic, breeches. There's an. Is there a significant difference between the clothing of Tuhal and Kahal? Um, the clothing of so Kahal is a is mountainy and more exposed um, to the Serpent Sea, which is the cold northern ocean, um, and so it's much colder. the the um, The bisp and within the serpent spine that runs the middle of the the continent uh, shelters Tuhal, as Tuhal is uh, sheltered in many ways mm-hmm. from misfortune, conveniently. Um, and so Kahal is a, is a high, rocky, difficult, mountainy place. And so you would, everyone there um, wears very utilitarian clothing. Wool, 
um, because wool sheds the damp and keeps you warm. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything there, so it'd be wool kilts, you know, big full kilts with the, the that are you know pleated around the waist and then up over the shoulder and secured in the back with a big belt, and so that you could use it, you know, as a kind of a cloak. And you, then you might have a wool cloak on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, into hall outside of the winter, that that would be a bit much. Mm-hmm. You you'd be a bit sweaty. <laughs> um, so you, you might you might have a if you were feeling. Kahalian, you you would you would wear a wool kilt and um, and maybe light boots, um, yeah, you know, and, and like a like a like a breechy shirt. Mm-hmm. Is everyone in Kahal slightly irritated and grumpy all the time <laughs> because of the scratchy wool? <laughs> that could explain the car- the company the uh, country's nature. Excellent. <laughs> I suspected as much. Would that explain why humans in general are sort of honorary and difficult? Or the Surin are much... There's, there's very little explaining of that. <laughs> well, while the Surin, who largely don't wear much in the way of clothing, are a lot more cheerful and good-natured. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Hmm. Is, is the Surin homeland uh, a hot place? It's not. No, it's it's actually very damp. They have oh. that sort of swamp area. It's, oh. it's kind of consistently it's very consistent. Yeah. Okay. Are they warm blooded or cold? Warm. Warm blooded. That's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank yes. you, mysterious yes. computer voice. Activation ever. <laughs> Uh, All right. So tell. Uh, so uh, show us. Uh, uh, how are you pronouncing his name? Um, so there's uh, Sisyphus, the large one, mm-hmm. and Cecile. Okay. And did you say that Cecile is riding on Sisyphus's shoulder? Correct. Correct. I'm good. Wow. Um, so. Um, the Surin, like most of the races, um, are a slave race. The humans are dominant. And while they are um, from their homeland, um, they were free. They've kind of come among the humans, and they um, have sort of fallen in with the slaves to sort of escape um, suspicion. And the Surin are hard workers. And they are large and strong and generally don't have a, the larger ones as they get bigger are slower and have less independent thought. And so they're generally welcome wherever they go. However, um, rumors have reached, um, there's a small subgroup of the witch finders, right? Um, the high keeper and a couple of acolytes and they, um, they don't have the, the classic weaponry of the witch hunters, but they have um, spears. And tell me if this is okay, but I think there's only like a couple of these left, like a handful. Um, but they're not sharpened at the end. They're roughly kind of oval spear-shaped points, um, but they can touch a human with no harm. But if they touch anything that's not human, then it dies. 
Um, and there's only like two or three of these left in existence, but the High Keeper has one, and he's heard that there are um, some relevant slaves, and so he's searching. And so we find our characters um, in a temporary hideout on the edge of the city. There is a um, vast crematorium. Um, the humans um, being a bit mistrustful of the earth, which is um, under the domain of a foreign god, and uh, mindful of the power of magic, um, choose to cremate most of their dead, unlike the Surin people. Um, and there's a vast plain, which has kind of been blasted with the ashes of those who've been um, cremated. And it looks um, mostly like sort of dirty snow in vast piles. And so um, you have um, a couple people go by and as they leave a giant shape, at least nine feet tall, slowly comes up, just covered around the head and shoulders in this white ash. Um, that carefully conceals um, the brown cobblestone-like um, exterior of his stony skin. Um, and then where just below the neck area, a smaller movement um, is seen. And you realize that there's two figures and one is climbing up um, the outside of the others. And as he sort of shakes himself off and you see the greener skin of the younger Surin um, underneath the white. He says, wow, that was a close one. We're, we're drawing a little too much attention. The big one blinks knowingly. And apparently that's enough that um, the two are linked enough and um, have been with each other long enough um, that they can read each other's mannerisms and the small statues of what they do for, um, these are family. Um, the older one is the grandfather and the younger one um, is the grandson. And as the young one climbs around, um, it's increasingly clear that he is crippled, that his legs don't work and have atrophied significantly and that he uses his um, well-developed arms to climb um, over Sisyphus, and that there is a um, sort of mesh netting made up of vines and whatnot that um, affects an extra handhold, and that he sort of climbs him as a sailor might have climbed um, the rigging on a great sailing ship. And as the, the danger passes, they get up and they shake themselves off and they um, trapeze um, through this sort of blighted landscape um, as a monument to generation after generation of fallen men um, who have died on this soil that was um, originally Surin. And as they go, um, they're hailed by a friend, um, Ashikal, um, pretty notorious thief who's sort of taken them um, under his uh, wing, or in this case, sort of his uh, fuzzy arm, as he is a um, wolfen or a canine um, person. And he lets them know um, that he has a job for them if they're interested.
And the GM is now rubbing his hands together like he, he has some sort of conniving plan that he's about to unleash. <laughs> well, Gordun, um, the leader of the Mage Hunters, whose role is known simply as the question, appreciates your donation of a super powerful evil artifact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good artifact. Totally awesome artifact. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, fuck. It probably wouldn't kill God. <laughs> probably. <clears throat> Somewhere. Inside what can be seen on a clear day from the hill in the center of the city, crowned as it is by another man made hill known as the Crown. <clears throat> if one could stand by the vast ancient yew tree that sprouts from the Crown and turn northward toward the dragon's spine. On a clear day, you could see the distant green line like a child's demarcation of a forest of the tame wood as it spills down out of the valleys between the dragon's spine and <clears throat> the raised bulk of the White Hills. In the Tainwood, trees are running nectar again through their secret byways. There are hollow places where old oaks have fallen and Young saplings stand in a shocking fusillade of sunshine, and they have burst most indecently into bloom. The flit, who are a small, clever-handed people, who have retreated from humanity because of their war, and because of the terrible changes that humanity itself is going through. The flit have wakened from their long nights and very short days to begin their business in the dark folds of the trees. They stay away from the parts of the tamewood where the spiders still live. Most people don't know, but the spiders, which once filled the tamewood with their webs and made it a place of terror, have been drawing back. Or maybe they have been migrating. Because they keep being seen going into, but almost never out of, the ancient 
blue-white, milky builder structures that dot the land. These were once condign places that seemed to have shaped themselves for the ease of humanity. This kindness, like many others, has passed from the world, and the builder structures have become unreliable, cruel places that seem to open in order to devour the living or to divulge horrors. And the spiders have been seen in every human kingdom coming out of the reeds and the high grass and the dark woods and going on their little feet into the building structures that sometimes light up in the dark with their uncanny, luminationless light that shows only themselves and nothing and casts radiance on nothing else. And so it illuminates only in the sense that you can see a thing that stands between you and that luminescence because it is not illuminated. And so the flit have found homes in the Tainwood and are glad that spring is coming. And here in the Southland, there are some inklings of the arrival of spring only large, only small pools now are rhymed in the morning. The heaviest of trees has begun to lift small new branches out into the light. And in sheltered places, under warm limestone, <clears throat> new grass has begun to grow. It's on just such a morning, with the mist thick across the land, and one never knows if this is simply a mist, or if it is in fact the mist, which is a cousin to the serpent and the dragon now gone. And once it was a messenger, but now it's something else and it lays itself across the land from time to time, having its way with things. So the mist, which is perhaps only a mist, lays across Kirkuval like a thick and silent blanket, and certainly it is daytime because everything is not black, but the mist is so thick for the hour is so early that color has yet to quite arrive back into the world from her sojourn overnight. There are limestones which glimpsed glistening in the mist with their veins and their haphazard breaks and <clears throat> shapes piled on one another seem like they could be great mountains in the distance or perhaps smaller than they might be and a child's leftover toys disordered and abandoned. The stones piled haphazardly on one another are in fact home 
to an outsider, although he's lived here some measurable portion of his life, and is from the great sister kingdom of Duhal, nonetheless, he is, and always will be, an outsider. <clears throat> there is a, a sense of peat hanging in the air from where it was burned for comfort last night outside the part of the overhang of the fall down in which he sometimes takes his nightly rest when the journey to a place with walls and a bed and strangers who stare at him is too far to walk. And it is through this mist that a small tow-headed boy with an abundance of freckles that now are uh, like the splattering of mud from a passing horse across his face, but have that indication that when he rises to manhood will be something handsome. He is has a pole over one shoulder, no field-found, mossy, cast-off of an oak bough for this child, but a long, straight, white oak stave, which could certainly be a weapon in the right hands, and at times is in the boys, although now it carries his makeshift knapsack over his shoulder, Um, which is currently brimming with green apples from the verdant orchards of the south below Carefane, where apples love to grow. He stops and surveys the fall down with a critical eye. His gaze lingers on one part of it, and then he passes on. He opens a craggy wooden box, which you might not be mistaken for assuming was a pile of planks, and extracts a few bricks of uh, dried, compressed peat moss, which serve most often for firewood here in the plains of Duhal, and casts them onto the ashes somewhat cautiously, wiping his hands and uh, laying his cloth down, pulling the small oaken bough from it. He undoes the clever knot of his knapsack and opens part of it uh, as a tablecloth and then chases the few apples that attempt to escape. Growing bored of waiting, he hurls one of the apples underhanded into the darkness of the overhang, from which there is a... (gasps) (laughs) And you wake in the makeshift hammock you have um, back in the corner of the fall down where heat gathers, but smoke does not linger. And there is a ghost... And there is a, um, and you look down to see the roundest, largest, most remarkable looking green apple. 
<laughs> sitting on your chest like the beginning of a bad fairy tale. <laughs> uh, Kian grabs the apple and looks at it over gingerly and then looks up at the sky. Are you sure it's not too early for our lesson? It seems rather dark still. <clears throat> well, Master, that's only because you're old and you've overslept, says Mort. Um, seated on the stump that he uses as a seat. I take a, a bite of the apple and uh, chew it thoughtfully. You're lucky it's sweet. <laughs> I suppose with certain gifts, such comments can be forgiven. Is it with sweetness I'm paying for my lessons now? <laughs> no, you're paying for me not to whip your behind. Oh, that. Well. <laughs> your father's the one paying for your lessons. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and clearly you're undercharging. <laughs> hmm. Well, let's just keep that between you and I. I wonder if you set some new puzzle for me today. Oh, that eager, are we? Have you solved the one I gave you last time? Oh. <clears throat> oh, the riddle. Yes. And the answer is a ring. But no, I mean, have you... And he turns and points back out into the mists. Set me a new puzzle this morning. What's he referring to? You have no idea. Not sure I follow. Well, it's only that there is a new stone. Hmm? Um, that actually gets me to rise out of the hammock, and I start taking a few steps a little lethargically towards in the direction he's pointing. Yeah, and in fact, as you step out of the, the deep shade, the fall down, um, and your finger and you and the, um, the tips of your toes sink into the cool, wet grass, um, it does in fact look like there's a new, old, weathered limestone rock. Are the other rocks... At the edge of the fall down. None of the other rocks are made of limestone, right? They are. Actually. Are, are, the they structure, all, are they the, all limestone? The, yeah, the original structure was limestone. I see. Um, is it conspicuously out of place? Or would a person who had not seen it before think it was part of the structure? If you didn't know this place well, you, you would imagine it was part of the fall down. Yeah. But of course, I do know this place very well. You do. Um... can't say that that's one of mine. Um, I approach it a little gingerly and take a closer look. Okay. <clears throat> uh, 
Roll initiative. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth attacks. <laughs> what did he say about my mother? <laughs> um... You become aware that um, you were not in the overhang by the slag pits where you went to sleep. Um, There is the almost imperceptible uh, breathing of Sisyphus beneath you and the unique granity smell of the ancient Soren. And his cool warmth is all around you. And you realize um, you seem to be under mm, maybe one of the um, one of the the sort of great um woven carpets that they use to uh, that are used to cover the sort of cerement preparations um, and but you were you were kind of nestled in on top of them mm-hmm. and now you're uh, on Sisyphus's back um, sort of resting against his upper upper spine and he sort of hunched down underneath you and there seems to end there is the great kind of rough woven um, tarpaulin over you Uh, and you can see um, in bits through the rough woven cloth you can see the the misty morning all around you and um, some veined limestone and um, what woke you was a man's voice saying, that's not mine. Is there anything significant about the limestone? My people put a lot of... They notice um, <coughs> uh, the bedrock is consist of and some of the local stones. Is this clearly a different area from where I've been? Do I know... This, the, this limestone is not... From this area. Okay. Or from the area where you went to sleep. Okay. Um, not being able to kind of find the edge of the, the fabric, Cecile kind of taps um, Sisyphus on her grandfather. Wake up. Wake up. Grandfather. He kind of moves over to the head and sort of pulls open the vast lids with his fingers kind of looking in tentatively. Grandfather! Grandfather! And all at once, like um, a hill just deciding to stretch, um, Sisyphus rises. Um, the fabric kind of just giving way like waves beneath him as, he's, as he rises. Um, the they're clean now, and the contrast between the two is very clear. The youngish one um, with him, the green lizard-like skin, and the older one again with the sort of brown, muddy, cobblestone-like um, exterior. Um, so the small mountain 
<laughs> um, uh, rattles and shifts and rises <laughs> like a monster from a fairy tale or the recent war. <laughs> and then, and then the rough cloth that in the mist, um, ca- perhaps calculatedly masqueraded as limestone, um, falls away to receive to to reveal um, the two swords. Sisyphus, don't step on it. That looks valuable. Uh, there's a there's a the, the in in the in the mist surrounding us. There's kind of an echo, and at first it doesn't seem to be apparent that the source is actually kin, as the voice kind of travels. Oh, what? Almost imperceptibly, the. The, the mist um, slithers. And then the slithering stops. Are you a Surin? Are you a wizard? Have you lost your talks? Says the young boy in the wrong accent. <laughs> <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> Hello, I'm here from the play Holborn. I'd like more oatmeal. <laughs> Do you have any? Right in there. Okay. Have you lost your torques? We seem to have lost. Did we everything where we were? Just uh, did we actually agree if we had known each other, or are we meeting for the first time? Um, I thought we had. Yeah, well, that's we we talked about yeah. it a little bit, but yes, I think a small smaller shape kind of peers over the head of the bigger one. And says, "I remember you. You were that wizard. Oh, who came seal. right after that big disaster and that builder structure collapsed, killing all those people." The one that you had absolutely nothing to do with. Yes. What a convenient description of events. What are you doing here? You mean you didn't bring us here? No. Oh. How? I say looking at the giant. (laughs) I don't know. You're the human wizard. You tell me how this all works. Well, let me put it this way. If I had done it, you would have noticed... Kind of looks around. Okay. Well. Is, is this... Hello, I'm Borso Fane. Oh, pleasure to meet you. And I think he sort of clambers down one of um, the large Syrian's arms so that he can sort of reach out and clasp his hand. It's a pleasure to meet you. Are you his son? <laughs> the, the large Syrian kind of turns... And uh, as they get older, the Surin's eyes become a little bit like um, geckos. They they elongate a little bit, and they have these kind of concentric rings that go back, almost like almost like a um, rock in which water has been evaporating and filling and evaporating. And uh, the the large Surin has turned to regard your ward with one of its vast eyes. Cecile. I'm sure I've said this before, but you do need to know who 
who the noble houses are in Tuhal if you're going to survive for very long. Okay, so I was wrong. It happens. Just sometimes humans look alike to me. The the error isn't in being wrong. It was in revealing your ignorance. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be fair, we are among friends, aren't we, Mort? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at Mort a little disappointedly. <laughs> I, 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 I know all the noble houses of Chuhal. Oh, awesome. That must be very useful. I, I could help you with that. Oh, this is yeah. fantastic. I think I'll take a nap. You two could actually commence the lesson. <laughs> is this the lesson? It is now. <laughs> oh, that's wizards for you. Hmm. I've been in a day's work when they can avoid it. Ken actually, he leans back in. He kind of takes a step back and leans back into his hammock. But uh, even though he seems to be kind of like idly regarding um, something in his cloak, he's it's if you're paying any attention, he's keeping an eye on both of you. And there's a slight smirk as he's quietly regarding the two of you. Svets, don't eat that. You don't know where it's been. <laughs> yes, I know it looks like an apple, but they're the wrong color. Oh, that just means they're sour. See, he knows. See, <laughs> 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 reaches from. Okay, yeah. one at a time. If you come out with a bellyache, I'm not cleaning it up. <laughs> I don't mind. You can have oh, all of them. Sure. Sorry, he's he gets hungry. He doesn't eat often, but when he does eat, it's it's a lot. You didn't have to eat the tablecloth. <laughs> Here, I'll help you. <sighs> what was that I said about not cleaning up after you? Oh, you don't remember? Oh, yeah, me it, neither. It, 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 like, glorps, like, out of his nose, all covered in snot. <laughs> he ate it, and it comes out of his nose. <laughs> That's the snot's a little bit different, though. It's a little bit more grainy. Oof. Like, there's dirt mixed in. So it's a little bit less slimy, and it's a little bit more like it's been dirty. Oh. <laughs> Less slimy and more kind of muddy. Can I climb up too? He says, uh, looking at the vine work. Uh, sure. Just be careful. <laughs> I think it kind of climbs down and extends a hand. What's wrong with your legs? Mort, if you fall and break your leg, I'm dragging you somewhere where I can say I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm not certain that ploy's gonna work out, Monster. <laughs> well, it's either my word or. Ah, shit. <laughs> well. So, back to my original question why are you here? You don't remember? Well, we were asleep. And then all of a sudden we were talking about noble houses and how important they were. Well, I don't know what it is like for the certain people, but usually unless we're drunk, we try to remember where we fall asleep. 
Well, it wasn't here. And where was it? Where did you fall asleep last night? He looks at the hammock. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be actually, honest. This, but, but do I actually remember falling asleep in the hammock? There's a there's a look in his eye as he kind of looks at the hammock like of course but there's also something like hmm mm-hmm. which he keeps himself okay right so are you actually near your place you lived in one of those uh, fortification so, things right yeah so I I those I, war I, hills my. Are, are you asking in character or out of character? No, in character. Oh, I'm sorry. One of those human war hill things, right? Uh, that's... Cafe. Tower, I think? Cafe, yes. Cafe. It's sometimes a bit of a ways, and sometimes I like... Mm, I like it out here. It's nostalgic. Uh-huh. So we probably haven't come far, less than a day's journey. I suppose it's possible that Sisyphus was walking all night. He has sleepwalked, but I don't think so. I would have felt that I'm a light sleeper. Has this happened to you before? Uh, no. Hmm. Somebody is approaching. Friend of yours? Well, it seems like it's the day for it. I kind of glance towards the direction of footsteps, or whatever steps. He walks kind of funny. Like, maybe he hurt a leg or something? A little stiff. Or both legs? Right, because you don't know him, so be polite. There is a... There is... Perhaps a, a shadow in the mist. Hmm. As though someone has come close enough to listen and stopped. Do I recognize that shape? Right now it's just a, a shadow in the mist. Hello? Hello. Hello, Claiborne. I know your face. And I know yours. It's good to see you. I do not know your faces, but I know your feet. Um. That's a little rude. That would be footprints. The earth rises and falls beneath you as Sisyphus shreds. <laughs> uh, oh, that's fun. Do it again. Come on. Can I ask you a question? 
are are decks like these um, relatively common among the people without necessarily with le- without letters on them but illustrations? No, not really. Okay. No, there would be there there would be things that were more durable, like bones or stones or I see something that will uh, uh, survive better in a harsh world. Mm-hmm. Well, that stranger. You are important, and I will follow you. Oh. All right, then. You are important, and I will follow you. Oh, this is but, but turning into a different very directions? interesting day. You will not. I'm sorry. Um, Cecile kind of climbs down um, onto the ground. You're you're near us now, right? Is this one of those maddening questions you referred to, Master Kia? Hmm. What does your character appear as right now? Um, uh, an oldish, maybe dirty person. <laughs> Probably male. You said you uh, knew his face, but we don't know, uh, know your stranger. Would you reveal yourself? He walks closer to you. Okay. As he emerges from the mist, the usual thing doesn't quite happen. There is a point on days when the fog has crept into everything, when everything is soft, but at a certain point, intimacy always brings things snapping back into focus. The world regains itself from the mist. This person, not quite. He begins to reify into a crisp and clear shape, but the process stops before it should. And when the man comes close enough to see with great clarity, you see that his details are not quite right. By the dragon, you're made of earth. the old ones but but man shaped what are you you are important and I will follow you <sighs> a uh, a smaller apple dappled with um, streaks of white and red and a much darker green um, sails like a small missile <laughs> off, off the large Surin's back, um, heading toward you uncannily. Claiborne completely ignores it. <laughs> it strikes him in his clothing, 
seeming to slip between layers of coats and rags. And then he lifts up his hand from his side, and the green apple is in it. And he looks at it. You're a wizard, too! Says the fresh-faced boy, whose face is depending off the craggy syringe shoulder like he's been there half his life. (laughs) I know your face. Thank you. (laughs) You do. We met before. I feel like I wouldn't have forgotten a wizard like you. What sort of wizard is he, Buster Kian? He's not a wizard. He's, uh... He's not a glass tree, like you. No. This isn't some kind of shape-shifting. He's, um, uh, an accident. I know you refuse to tell me stories about shape-shifting, but perhaps now is the time. How exciting. Thank you. Today I am a stranger, a wizard, and an accident. (laughs) This is a good day. You should be careful about being three things. Why Boy should says, I be careful seriousness. of that? Well, since Mahon, it's dangerous to be three things. Well, I did say you were a person of the earth, so well, it's you didn't. If you're four things, you're probably safe. Thank you. I would like to be safe. We didn't say that he wasn't other things. For example, he's a friend, aren't you, Claywon? You are important, and I will follow you. He's persistent. I'll give him that. He And consistent, yes. Um, well, this is lovely. Um... But I am, well, not exactly being paid. Uh, I am charged with a lesson for today for Mort. Is there something I can do to help either of you? I would attest to being presently educated. (laughs) Well, some things perhaps need to wait. He says, kind of eyeing Claiborne specifically. Mort kind of hurls himself over the edge uh, of Sisyphus's shoulder, um, dangling from the net by one hand, um, many more feet from the ground than is reasonable. <laughs> and, and moments before, uh, before he lets go, there's a sort of subsidence in, and the, the larger syringe sort of lets himself kind of... Uh, and, it, and as he does, his, his fore elbow comes out, so the boy sort of slides um, a foot or two and then thuds into the ground. Thank you, Sisyphus. That would have been very difficult to explain. I appreciate it. And as if in applause... There is a small jingling sound in the mist, like little bells ringing. 
I get out of the hammock. And um and color like morning seems to explode from the mist. But this isn't the light of the world. This isn't the um, eye of Grian burning down, searching for the fallen vault of heaven. Instead, it's four men in <clears throat> um, in uh, gold-worked battle kilts and um, and uh, short sleeveless hauberks, uh, designed obviously to showcase their uh, tans, musculature, and impressive tattoos. Um, they're, uh, they're running in uh, laced-up sandals, um, their ankles adorned with um, small golden ringlets um, that are ringing as they run. Their, um, their forearms are uh, enclosed in um, brass bracers inlaid with cunning gold uh, knotwork uh, inlaid with um, mother of pearl, so they gleam with many colors. And, uh, and of the four of them, no, they're wearing kilts. Oh, okay. Kilts. Gotcha. Um, so leather, um, leather layered one after another in kind of arrowhead patterns uh, with with knotwork designs in gold thread down them. Um, and uh, uh, someone has chosen these four soldiers very carefully um, because they are um, they are what is commonly they represent what is commonly called the four colors of man um, one of them is uh, gingered um, with a with a short trimmed um, uh, beard hung with gold ringlets uh, another is blonde uh, with long braids hung down his back and um, kind of fresh shaven. Um, one is sort of almost olive complected with uh, with short sort of scrubby brown hair, and the other is that uh, is the color is called the color of of a person that's called blue um, because he's so pale um, that his skin is like milk, um, and it has a slight blue tinge to it, and he has um, raven dark hair and ice blue eyes. Um, and they they run together in uh, trained and coordinated so, units. So the mist is kind of his friend. Anything to kind of keep him away from the sun. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, each of them, each of them um, uh, has uh, um, the uh, a knotwork, a green knotwork pattern um, on their scaled hauberks. Uh, that identifies them as uh, soldiers of House Cubal. Hey, hey, kid. What noble house are they from? Cubal. Oh, well, that makes sense. Do I recognize? In particular, they're soldiers of the Cubal. Okay. Um, the house. So, Cubal. Is the is the the reigning house? 
Right. Of Tuhal. Yeah. And the and the Lord of House Kuval is called the Tuhal. Ah, yes. Um, because he, he is said to be descended directly from the original sorcerer king. <laughs> they um, they come to a a, a stone still halt. Um, what would be a um, the pr- appropriate form of address? So you you would address them as uh, Fina or warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fina is like a badass. Mm-hmm. Fina are badasses. Um, and the ringlets around their ankles does that have uh, any uh, like specific meaning to me? Uh, so the the warriors of of House Cubal, um take the earrings and gold teeth of their enemies and um, make them into ringlets that they wear on the laces of their sandals. Mm. Um, and the, the rings ring as they run. And so if you hear the ringing of gold rings, you pretty much know you're fucked. Right. Mm. That's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> Wizard, are they technically and uh, are they technically trespassing on your guys's territory? <laughs> Kian just kind of does this surreptitiously and trying to, um, in a way that to hide it from the the approaching soldiers, and then he immediately turns, uh, beaming. Fina, welcome to the grounds of House Fane. How can I serve you? The, uh, the. Uh the the blue one um, looks at the at the golden one and kind of smirks um, as though this were the perfect completion of some joke he had been telling earlier. Um, the ginger one um, with his kind of sh- mop of shaggy curls and but his neatly trimmed red beard um, dips his head toward you. Um, in what for the Fina is probably a fairly remarkable gesture of respect hmm. you're the glass tree known as Kian I am the Chuhol requires your presence and has business for you to attend to ah I see I assume I should come presently but he doesn't work for you says Kian or says Mort. <clears throat> Please. He, he looks at the boy and looks back at you. Please excuse the young ward. Mort, would you come here? He trots over to you. Um, would you tell your father? Of course. Is there anyone else? Eva, I should guess. Eva? It's fine. Maybe Eva, possibly? No, it's fine. Right, just my father then. Yeah, but then then Eva. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, like, should she know? Is this something like she should be aware of, or like how how closely am I being monitored? I guess is the question I'm asking. Um. Well, I mean, if the king has business with you, she can suck an egg. Right. 
So. <laughs> so actually, he says to Mark, nah, it'll be hilarious. I'm not certain you're fully versed in the meaning of that word, Master Ken. <laughs> I just pat Morton on the head. <laughs> um, I assume I should get ready and leave now. It seems urgent. Um, He's just gonna... I, I go over towards them. I, I, I'm actually eager to kind of... In fact, I do it... I go over to them in a way to, like... Like, hey, let's go right now to kind of divert them from like looking at these two weirdos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the king, uh, Cecile has kind of hidden. The king would like to meet your assistant. He's <sighs> nodding toward Claiborne. Oh, who is standing right behind you? Of course. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and you can bring your servants if you like. Why not? We. I was about to say we will really miss you, Master. You've been endlessly kind. (laughs) Uh, Looking quickly back and forth between you, Mort says, I'm sorry I was so naughty and stole their torques. I'll go get them. That's a good boy, Mort. The the blue man... um, and narrows his eyes and watches the boy go with ill intent. <laughs> He's a bit spoiled. Vain. Hmm. He shrugs. We don't choose our masters. When I say that, how does he... Do I... I'm, I'm kind of curious as to if he has a personal reaction to that. Um, he looks a little irritated. Hmm. <clears throat> I don't suppose you could share a little bit of information about this business? Not at all. Of course not. That would be helpful. You should bring whatever you might need. Um, Kian walks back and picks up a, uh, a leather would be common, right? A leather satchel. This is pretty much everything I own. Back out of the mist. I forgot my staff. The staff <sighs> waves it at you. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of shrug at the uh, ginger-haired man as if I could see what I have <laughs> uh, to deal with. This said that Iron Master, did you want us to go and check on the boy? <laughs> I think the boy will be back presently, but you should do as you see fit in this situation. Um, and, and when uh, Kian says that, he kind of meets your eyes as if trying to actually see what you want to do in this situation. Um, what the two, um, 
they really want to do is get away from the soldiers because that seems a little suspect. So, yeah, they're trying to avoid the the authorities as much as possible. Also, Cecile's just a little bit curious what happens if they wander away, and which direction Claiborne would go if he would follow them or if he would follow. Well, you. Cecile, I know that you two have other things that I've asked you to take care of, so I can always find you afterwards. Uh, of course, Master, we'll meet you, and I think they kind of going slightly in the mist. Do, do let Mort know to give you the torques directly. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we then? Come, Claiborne. Claiborne starts to move very slowly. We're headed up to the ground. Well, lead the way. Four men uh, kind of spread out, uh, and then um, the 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 pale the the blue man and the brown man um, go jogging off ahead, and the other two um, and the other two walk ahead of you. Are they setting a fairly quick march? The the two yeah. Like a like a fast normal walking pace. Okay. Like a, a fit man can take. Have you um, when you said that I know your face and you are important, have you said that to me before? Or is this the first time? That is the first time I have said that. I don't suppose you could explain? What you mean by it in this instance? I have never said that before. I'm sorry. I meant why I'm important. And why the Surin pair is important. This is what you must answer. Hmm. This is fantastic. Long ago, um, Kerkival was only a fortress, and it was um, the hilltop crown, and then um, uh, an earthen bulwark uh, surrounding a small community. The community inside the bulwark is long gone, and is now called, um, the area is called the Knot. And um, there are some public-private spaces within it, and you're um, you're taken along the the bulwark, not to the area um, that you would expect, which is a typically open gate that opens into a like a a, a game and war practice field, um, which is typically where people go, uh, but they lead you around. Um, uh, to the 
west side <clears throat> uh, of the bulwark, and um, there's a large uh, there's a large gate of um, uh, young trees uh, sharpened on both ends and mounted uh, on a cutting um, on a cunning rack in the center so that it can rotate up and down and open that way. Um, and as they approach, it is, uh, it is, there's a grinding sound from within the bulwark and the, the gate, the heavy uh, gate rises uh, also conveniently to point its sharpened ends at you. <laughs> um, but you clear them easily and, uh, and move inside the knot and as you do, as if by magic, um, the mist pulls back, and uh, the late morning sun is uh, burning through the crown of the, through the yew tree atop the crown, um, and the um, and the light that falls across you all is a sort of dappled, brilliant glory of morning. <clears throat> You're, um, you're in a part of the, the knot that you haven't been in before, which is, um, it's kind of a reserved area called the Old Wood, um, and it is, in fact, an old uh, mixed oak forest uh, that's typically reserved for uh, members of the family or special uh, events. There was once a lodge uh, of the Night Lodge here oh. in, in the Old Wood. Mm. Um, and in fact, that's where you seem to be going. Hmm. As you pass uh, into the dark green beneath the trees, uh, you see the you see the familiar um, lodgepole construction of uh, of a night lodge, sacred place. Why here? I say to the. Ginger-haired man. He looks back. Well, because that's where I was told to bring you. Hmm. Uh, as they approach the night lodge, you can see that um, that the uh, the sort of traditional kind of moss curtain that typically covers the entrance to the night lodge is gone. Um, and there is in its place a heavy uh, wooden door on cork hinges, and it's it's kind of propped partway open. And the other two men who went before earlier are standing there, uh, are standing outside, uh, kind of at attention with spears to the side. Um, and they have uh, they have short uh, brass blades across their back in their custom in the Fianna custom, and they have they have one hand kind of uh, back. Underneath the sheath. Um, as we as we begin to approach, I I kind of adjust uh, my cloak in such a way as to kind of lean in, and I whisper to Claiborne. Remember our fiction. It's probably very important for us here. Yes, it is important. He just sort of closes his eyes and takes a deep breath and goes ahead and 
walks in, walks up towards the two men at attention. Um, you walk up to them. They 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 stare directly ahead um, with the thousand yard stare that um, guards invented some time a long time ago. <laughs> making no move or notice of your approach. Hmm. Um, the, uh, the ginger-haired man um, uh, just, just holds up a finger for you to wait one moment. And uh, the blonde feet ringing goes jogging inside. And there's a sort of And, um, and then on some signal that you don't quite catch, <clears throat> Charna, I, I present to you the one you've asked for, and uh, this is Kian, servant Alfein, and, and his man, Claiborne. I bow respectfully. You, um... Interestingly, this is one of those places, um, the night lodges are designed um, to be places of peace. And so the door lintels are quite low, mm. even for um, the smaller people uh, of the south. Um, and so you have to kind of bend, almost double, and sort of bow as you enter. Mm. Um, Place of peace, so that would be very hard to fight in such a space? Right. Or, okay. And, and it's hard to, you know, you can't draw your sword and have a bunch of people rush in. Right. Because the door is quite short. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, as you step inside, there's the, um, there's the thick, sweet smell in the room of, um, of oil lamps long burning. Um, and it takes a moment for your eyes to adjust to the dimness. Um, the tapestries, the knotwork tapestries that held um, the images of the stories of the gods of the Night Lodge uh, are gone, and there are um, uh, fragrant herbs have been strewn on the earthen floor. Um, so there's a sort of an almost heady combination of um, fresh green herbs and the sweet smell of the oil, uh, which is a little dizzying. And the um, and in the amber light, um, in the place where um, there would have been a brazier, um, often with a fire for various purposes, uh, the brazier in the center of the night, of the night lodge is gone, and um, there's a large, slightly crude, uh, heavy wooden chair in its place, and there is a man sitting in it who is definitely not. Uh, the Tuhal. Mm. The Tuhal is uh, big and old and um, um, uh, if you you took the the orange guy and then kind of puffed him up five or six inches (laughs) in every direction and then let him sag, that's the Tuhal. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not pretty. And he has a lot of tattoos that he doesn't wear shirts. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of sagging. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a much younger man 
He's wearing a golden torque uh, whose ends are um, adorned with uh, sort of tw- dark twinkling stones and uh, a gold torque uh, made in the in the shape of um, a serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the mouths of it, and it's like two a serpent with two mouths, and each of them has like a mouthful of stones, like kind of like twinkling stones. And um, and he's wearing a, a golden, like a thin golden um, sort of circlet, um, and uh, a heavy uh, oak a cloak that looks like it's made of a wolf pelt. Do I, rec- um, do I recognize him? And he has a hand holding a holding a uh, a white uh, a white oak rod tipped with something red. Hmm. Um, Um, he's definitely from the from the kind of the the high cheeks and the um, and the sort of exaggerated jaw. He's definitely a Cuval, um, but there are a bunch of them, so you don't know, and you don't really haven't maybe particularly cared, so you don't know. Well, I heard one there for Thomas Torna. Oh uh, yeah, do I know that who that is? Oh, uh, Charna means Lord. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah, Lord. Mm. Um, but what draws your attention uh, almost immediately leaping off of him is the figure standing a couple of paces behind him and to the left, who uh, you immediately recognize uh, as Kitamwe, um, the silent questioner. Who's um, uh, the the one of the mage hunters who um, most loves putting wizards to the question? To the test or to the question? Yeah. Oh, to the test. Did was he the one who put me to the question? It's a test? woman. Oh, was she the one that put me to the question? Uh, or to the test? I'll leave it to you to decide. Uh, sure. If she did, then yes. And if not, if it wasn't her, she came in at some point. Then it was her. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. It's good to see you again. And then I bow to the Lord Chorna. She, um, she is, she ha- also has like a wolf's pelt on, um, but it's the full pelt. Mm-hmm. So she's got like the the head of the wolf is like atop her head, um, with its teeth on her forehead, um, and affixed somehow there's a there's a pale red gem mm. uh, on her forehead, and she's uh, she's she's in a long kind of bare shouldered um, dress like a leather dress. Um, is that she, usual for the witch hunters? No, and she has uh, she has lurid, uh, not work tattoos like lurid blue. The the blue of the tattoo somehow almost gleams in the lantern light uh, down her arms, and she wears her skin derrick uh, strapped to her left upper arm. Mm. Is it small? Uh, no, it, it's about the length of her upper arm. Okay. So if, if if she was the one that put me to the test, that was a long time ago. That was almost ten years ago. Yeah. Um, Skin Derricks, are they bronze? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. So kind of a broad-leafed blade kind of thing. Um, they often they often appear sort of crystallized and red. Okay. Um, and you can kind of you can see, do that with bronze. Yeah, you can see that they are they're bra probably bronze okay. and something else. Um, and depending on the they they look they're quite unique depending on okay. the the wielder the mage hunter. In general, with bronze weapons, they tend to be very thin, but kind of broad. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. strength. Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a kind of a um, kind of a leaf shape. Okay. Uh, and the and the hilt is down, and there's like a little clasp. Okay. So and when I came across Claiborne, uh, that was relatively recently. So I, I don't think I've been put to the test since I found Claiborne. Right. Yeah. It's uh, actually. Would it be inappropriate for me to address her when the Lord is right there? It wouldn't be particularly inappropriate, I guess. Um, decorum is not super strict. Okay. It's and and he sort of. He's almost lounging in the chair. How old is she? Um, she's probably f- in her f- early forties, um, but she looks pretty good. It's been she, a, she's a little buff. Yeah, especially for age. She's, she's got Obama arms. She's yeah, Michelle Obama Michelle arms. Michelle arms. Yeah. It's been a long time, Katamwa. You've aged well. Well. I'm glad to live on in your memory, Kian. He just smiles. I've heard a great deal about you, says the Kival on the throne. Uh, well, that puts me at a disadvantage to both of you. different reasons yeah. like glancing at Kitamwa yeah he looks over his shoulder at her at her and kind of smiles and she, she just kind of nods <clears throat> well we haven't had the pleasure of being introduced uh, but I'm Adrian Kewal obviously have I heard that name before um, yeah, you know who he is. He's one of the younger sons of, of the Tuhal. Hmm. A pleasure. Always a pleasure to meet a scan of Kaval. Um, has there been gossip of uh, the passing of his father? No. Oh. Interesting. You, um, there are there are a number of the. Um, uh, it's said that the that the house of Kival was blessed by Mahan with um, like the gift of speech, and he has the kind of lazy, mellifluous um, way of speaking that you would normally associate with bards. Mm. Who, who very explicitly, at least until recently, have the gift of Mon. Right. 
How may I serve you, Chandra? So, formal. I thought that you rough northerners were meant to be uh, more brittle around the edges. And he, he kind of surges to his feet um, with a, an almost lupine energy. I've had my edges worn away with time. Well, perhaps he isn't the one. She just stares at him, clearly intent on re-earning the title, Silent Questioner. <clears throat> There's a little thing I'd like you to do for me. If you're not too busy, of course. I live to serve. I understand that the Fane can't be bothered to raise their own children, and they have to voice their duty off on foreigners. They have the wisdom to find expertise where it's to be found. I see. And what expertise do you provide to the Fane? I suppose that would be a more appropriate question to ask them. Well, yes. I am asking you. I've been places. I know a little bit of the world before the mist. I know what lies beyond the borders. I remember the gods. He looks around. Many of us remember the gods. I wonder if you missed them. Seems rather irrelevant now. Words, he says, looking back at Kitamwe. Irrelevant. She raises one painted eyebrow. You asked to have my um, assistant be present as well. Was there a specific reason for that? Well, there's certainly been word of someone that might be an onion picker wandering the city kidnapping children surely that isn't you sir I have never done either of those things I glance at Claiborne and look back at Agrin they could hardly fit Children. You know how my father likes the games. What games is he talking about? Um, the fights at the proving grounds. Oh, are those like? Tournaments, like, or are they? Yeah, death or no, no. They they tend to be sort of like there are some literal games, um, and then there are some fights, and then occasionally they um, they drag monsters out of the tame wood or other places, and 
um, and and heroes killed them. So where are the games like? Are these For like the Highland God. games or? Um, there are some contests of strength. There's a there's a the most popular is a a, a game played with a small with like a oh like a field hockey kind of a game. Quite a spectacle, yes. Well, we're planning a celebration for his birthday in, in a fortnight, and um, uh, I understand there have been some problems out at the proving grounds, and uh, I was informed it's um, below the pay grade of my questioners, and that it might be a risk for our guardie Shohana, and well, your name was put forward. May I ask who I have the honor of thanking for putting my name forward? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, when he mentions that uh, it was below the pay grade of his questioners, how does Kitamwe respond to that? She looks a little amused. Hmm. I live to serve. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, if you could make certain things are sorted out in time for the games to be prepared, I would appreciate it. I don't suppose you could tell me what sort of problems have been occurring? Well, you're so clever. I wouldn't want to, um... How did you put it? Prejudice your view of things. You do want these problems solved, yes? Well, I've gone to all the trouble to drag you here, haven't I? Mm. Where do you come from? I come from the land. You said he didn't pick onions. So, Alay is it? I don't think he has it has the capacity to recall its existence before it became whatever it is there's a small commotion happening outside um, I glance at, uh, at Adrian does he seem concerned with it no then I don't. <clears throat> uh, and 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 when have we become graced with your presence? When have we become graced with your presence? I believe he's asking when you were born, Claiborne. 
How long ago was it when the accident happened? Do you remember? You are asking about time. I look at Agrin. Well, there you have it. Quality help. I was born just in time. <laughs> I suppose so is every man that fortune favors. It seems that the gods may have left us, but the their sense of humor hasn't. Uh, well. If the sense of humor of the gods tries to kill you, I will kill it because you are important. Quality help. You've become important, kid. How's that working out for you? Ask me after we look into this problem. I'll have a better answer for you then. And so I suggest you get the fuck out of my way. You hear from outside. That's got to be Ethan. Kian can't help, but a smile does appear on his face. <laughs> well, uh, one of the Fina, um, the brown one, uh, backs in, <laughs> backs into the, uh, backs into the lodge, and with his hand not just behind him but on the hilt of the sword. <laughs> um, m- m- miss one of your, um, uh. Uh, the members of your order is um, here to report something urgent. Interesting. I wonder if she's been naughty. The, the, the brown guy looks kind of confused and scared. <laughs> Does this barging in have a name? Uh, uh, Gifa. And uh, Katabwe shrugs like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? He he makes a motion. A, um, um, A burst of ginger disarray um, comes into the room. Uh, it's a, a woman of uh, uh, medium height, uh, obviously wearing someone else's cloak um, that is too large for her in every direction. Um, <laughs> and a, a sort of olive green that makes her slightly flushed, uh, pale red features look a little sick. 
Um, and underneath that, she's wearing uh, what looks like a stained, uh, like, workman's shirt uh, with with uh, some kind of uh, paint or something splattered across it, and then, like, cut-off breech clouts and um, some boots uh, that are slightly too large for her. When when she comes in, uh, I look over at her. Oh, did uh, did Mort tell you? <laughs> she starts three or four sentences, but they uh, don't quite get past her mouth. <clears throat> uh, and then she looks at her hand and lowers her hand, and then. Bows toward Agri and Kival. <clears throat> ah. So, you do know what your job is. It's not nice. She stands up. <laughs> Nods. It seems your escort has arrived. Oh, lovely. Um, I look forward to your report. I look to set. Indeed. Um, <laughs> he turned, Kian turns over towards Aoife. Oh, good timing. And he just walks right by her outside. He hands her a small green apple and walks past. <laughs> How's it clean? She follows you out. And we'll stop there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm going to help you with your investigation. Apparently. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be, I guess, Watson <laughs> to... Or if Watson was a wet brain maniac who answers every question with another question. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> and of course, I am following them too because they're, they're important. important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the things that we do uh, in the City of Miss Rules is geek out during the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you would like to share with your um, fellow players uh, any moments of theirs that you uh, that you enjoyed and then um, and while you're doing that if there was something that happened that particularly um, influenced your character uh, we can give you a help or a hurt point toward that other character And the way those work is um, you can spend a help point to help somebody perform an action by adding to to their role, or you can spend a hurt point against them, um, kind of, but in their best interests. We'll get into the mechanics of that later. So, geeking out during the credits, or or anything fun that happened in the story. Hmm. Particularly about your fellow players. I, I love that for you, every situation that you're confronted with is a puzzle to be solved. Mm-hmm. 
because that's that's your character. Right. Yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm noticing with you, Matthew, mm-hmm. that every every time your character's on stage, mm-hmm. you're using it as a way to get deeper into the character. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful to see. I love that, that little drawing you're doing. Oh. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed uh, your opening introduction, the scene that you, when you kind of set the stage. I, and I, I loved the, um, the interaction between both Surin and Mort. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Mort yeah. as a NPC. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy the, the beginnings of kind of the cadence of um, Claiborne. Yes. <laughs> I, love, I love the kind of creepy but good-intentioned kind of nature of Claiborne. Oh, do you think so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, <That's> good. fantastic. <laughs> I love when he was it's just... working. He was sort of creeping up behind Kian, and I, I was kind of, like, pulled between, like, at this point, has Kian just sort of resigned himself to it, or, or does it still freak him out? <laughs> Probably both. Probably a little both. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was uh, kind of hoping that you would pick up on the, the, uh, the soldiers wanted to move at a fast walk. Oh, right. And Claiborne was moving very slowly. Mm-hmm. And so when you, would, if you had turned back in concern, mm. you would have found him walking very slowly right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That would have been, been creepy. Yeah. That would have been good. <laughs> so it seems like for the... Uh, uh, for the difficult arrival and the potential problems that I would like to give you a hurt point for Cecile. I was thinking the same thing because Cecile and, and Sisyphus like, were like, hey, we don't want to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if, like, how that works, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so just, make a, just make a space on your character. Uh, she for help and hurt, so he can hinder. Yeah, but it, okay. it's good for you because uh, it increases your maximum possible success. Yeah, and it also does something else good too, right? Yeah, so it, it basically invokes one of your weaknesses. Uh huh. Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, but like it, it's sort of like fate, right? You can cash that in for something. Else. Yeah, yeah, but but you sort of get it as a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Do I need one of those to invoke some of these weaknesses? No. Okay. Um, well, you you can't really invoke other people's weaknesses, right. just your own. But with a hurt point, you can. I think call you can. You're supposed to be able to invoke other people's weaknesses, though. No? But I can't like no, throw. It's like, huh? It sounds like we could have sworn. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I think it's the MC can. That's just yeah. Okay. I mean, you could you could float it to me. Right. Oh, I think you can suggest a weakness, but it's ultimately up to that person. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Alrighty. I would like to, um, just because I want to get a little bit, this is my actual first time ever playing City of Mist, I'd like to do a little rolling next game, I think. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just, to, just to see how that goes. Yeah. I was trying to sort of get us to a good stopping point. Yeah. So I was avoiding it. 
I was I was kind of wondering because um, like I want the the deck to kind of be a part of his uh, just like something that he's using, but I don't know how conspicuous that would be and whether that would be a problem. Well, people are strange. Right. People have all manner of weird things. Wizards in particular. Okay. But it's not the kind of thing you would get burned for, just for, like, having... Having some pieces of waxed paper? No. Yeah. Cool. Time to all that he's going to die in a fortnight. That's probably bad. <laughs> if you see that in the cards, you should probably just make something up. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I see great changes in your near future. Exactly, that's a good safe one. <laughs> it's a shift in fortunes. Um, well, thank you very much for uh, joining us for our first episode, and I, I hope you enjoyed yourself and will join us for more.